Hello, hello. Welcome back to Big Fat Five, a podcast financially supported by Big Fat Snare Drum and a member of the Drum Click Podcast Network. Today's guest is Mr. Joe Siders of The New Pornographers, which I consider a supergroup of songwriters, including A.C. Newman, Nico Case, Dan Behar, and the rest of the band. They're all great. I've known Joe for a few years now after first meeting him backstage at a New Pornographers show, but I've always been a fan of his drumming. As is the case with most of my favorite drummers, he's a songwriter's drummer. You know, the best kind. Anyways, his advice on recording and writing drum parts is sprinkled all throughout this conversation about the top five influences that shaped his playing style. Thanks again, Joe, and be sure to check out AcatilloBitters.com, but don't say you heard it here because I don't think we're actually supposed to be promoting that, and if I'm sounding ambiguous on what that is, that's kind of the point. So, but go to AcatilloBitters.com, but also don't. So... Rock and roll. Cheers. I will say, though, that um, doing all the, I guess, the prep work and looking at a bunch of your playing videos, one of my favorite videos I saw of yours was, I believe it was your wife filming, and it was you atomizing a uh, United Airlines uh. <laughs> gin and tonic. So I do. I want to start off the question that everyone wants to know. What is atomizing? Uh, what is atomizing? <laughs> it's like these beautiful little cocktail... Fra- like a fragrance, almost like a, a perfume, and it's got herbs and different alcohols in it, and you spray it on top of the cocktail, and it's like, it gives you an instant garnish, basically. So like, where you would normally put an orange twist or a lemon in, you don't just walk around with the twist and, you know, peeling it off on an airplane. Sure. So you gotta have this little spritzer in your bag. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> And, and it was funny because I, I think that she, yeah. she filmed you without you knowing. And so it was just you in your pure element. <laughs> it, it, it fully was. And man, what a nerd. I looked up. I'm like, yeah, well, that's going to be going on the internets. <laughs> well, I, I've talked about this on the podcast, but I actually took a sabbatical from drumming in my mid-20s. And I went to school for winemaking. So I totally did a 180, walked away from drums completely. And my entire left arm is like a tattoo homage to my winemaking days, but I'm the, I'm the same with That's you, man. Incredible. I could, I can exhaust people with my stupid geeky knowledge of wine. And they're like, Ben, just, just have the damn glass. Okay. And yeah. I'm having a Bud Light. So shut up. Yeah. And you've told us the six times. That's what I get a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pass the Cheez-Its, please. Pass the Cheez-Its. <laughs> so the show is about influences. So I did want to start off. You talked about your dad's a drummer. So yeah. growing up, what kind of records did he have around the house? We had, man, we had everything down there. I played like the, Deep Purple, he loved, you know, or loves still, of course. Uh, Led Zeppelin to like the Grease soundtrack. Like, mm-hmm. I would jam to like, you know, all that kind <laughs> of crazy soundtrack. stuff. He had like, he had crazy, you know, crazy vinyl down there. Just so I was just grabbing everything and just going like, sure, yeah, I'll play along to Elton John or whatever. And, you know, I'd sit on his lap and play and, and uh yeah it's a huge influence you know inspiration and always having a kit down there to just mess around and i'd go and like 
get lights and put them around and pretend I was like in a concert. You know, <laughs> it was very cool. It was very cool having that. Dude, I would put up. mirrors up because you know when you're a kid, you want to look cool. So I'd like play oh, yeah. and just watch myself in the mirror and pretend. Oh I'm, yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. And then and we'd my, like throw like a new kids on the block concert. Like that's what we would pretend to be like those guys because I was like you know nine years old when that was huge. So we'd like sure. get the lights out and bring the parents down and be like the show's starting let's go let's do this you'd still show up three hours late yeah exactly (laughs) do you still have that rogers kit that i've heard you talk about oh god no that's and my dad's so sad about that too he didn't really know what they were worth either it was like the 80s and like yeah or like it was like it was the early 90s and he just traded them to a guy for like i wanted i i blame myself because when you're like 10 years old you want new, exciting things. And sure. to me, as a 10-year-old, like a 60s Rogers kit was like, oh, this is old. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Which is, like, so depressing to think about. Eric like, Singer's not playing this. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think he just traded it straight up for, like, a Tama, like, kit that was new just so I, you know, to make me happy. And now I'm very sad. Yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah, it was a bad investment. Although I like Tama, yeah. nothing against them. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. No, they're just they're just fine, and they were big, and they were like jet black, and it was so fun. Sure. But looking back, oh, that Rogers kit, it was blue sparkle. Ooh. Oh man, oh, I I want that thing. I want that thing back. Maybe someday I'll find it. Yeah, if you if you have that kit and you're listening, <laughs> reach out to Joe. So, do you remember the first drummer that was? Uh, like had a personality to you like you're like oh that's oh, the drummer wow. i know their name yeah who would that my goodness oh it was i mean it was lars oh, oh sure for sure oh 100 percent. hence I the topic like, hit oh yeah there you go yes of course that's why how did i not make the connection it was lars man like metallica was so huge for me and i like a lo- i loved a lot of bands and i loved everything I, I grew up playing classical piano so like i love classical music and i th- and when i look back on it and i listen to metallica records i'm like i think i get why i liked metallica this the songs are very melodic and like s- kind of classical in a way I, that sounds really strange but to me when i listen to it i'm like there's something to it that's like classical and I get it now when I look back on it. And I, I still think the records are awesome. Like, I just listened to the Black album the other day because it went through a huge anniversary. So I was like, let's check it out. It still kicks ass. No, I know the whole trope with drummers and to hate on Lars, and I've never been on board with that. It's just like... <laughs> I know. I, I, I just don't get it. It's like, you know, he made the funnest drum parts to play. I'll still... I'll still air drum to that in the car if it comes on. Anything from that record. Hell yeah. Uh, I think it's similar to Ringo. It's that mm-hmm. like, ooh, 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 you know, it's like, man, it's Ringo. And <laughs> it's, it's like he created this thing. Yeah. I think Lars has that going on. Yeah. When you sol- sometimes when you solo out some of his stuff and put it on a click track, you're like, all right. But, you know. If you did that to all of us, probably we'd probably sound like shit too. So, oh, if there's as is there was as much footage of him playing as me playing, you could make a thirty minute <laughs> exactly. Ben fail video. 100%. That's so true. Exactly. <laughs> so you know you got that going on. But I yeah I loved Lars. I love Metallica. I okay. still do. I'm gonna say I still do. Yeah, of course. Not I'm not going away from that. Um, well, I do want to play a few songs from 
your career, and then we can maybe talk a little bit of backstory about them and the leading up to them, at least for the first one. But awesome. uh, here is the first one, and uh, I'll, I'll just say what it is. It's uh, Whiteout Conditions from the record Whiteout Conditions. And I, dude, I love this. That drum intro is so rad. So here it is. Awesome. Thank you. So yeah, man. There's so much about that that I love. But um, the 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 first question is: so this is the first record that you were on with with the new pornographers. Um, did you put pressure on yourself? I mean, what was your mindset going into those those sessions? Because obviously the band has been around for a while and they're amazing. I was yeah, I was totally freaking out. I'm just like, I gotta contribute something yeah. cool and like you know, step into Kurt's shoes and and try and like you know, do something cool. And we got mm-hmm. together in LA, which was awesome. Uh, Carl and John came out, and Carl had sent me a bunch of demos. So I, was, I had some prep time, and I got to hear some drumless stuff and a lot of stuff that he had put uh, fake, you know, fake drums or whatever on. So that was nice to to have a little bit of inspiration there. So sure. we got together and just started doing a lot of stuff in the room together, and it was just. It was awesome. It was super fun, and they were just like, "Let's do this. Let's go in a different go in a different direction. Try this." And nobody, you know, had pushed me in any direction. They just let me do my thing, and the, the songs just sort of came together, and we had a super good time. Uh, in L.A., we did a full session. I was like, "These will probably be the takes." And then later, Carl had changed a bunch of temp- uh, tempos. He wanted to lift some stuff up, and uh, so we ended up going up to Seattle and recording with Jack and Dino, who uh, recorded the I think the Bleach record. I think he produced Nirvana. A funny thing about Whiteout Conditions, there's no cymbals on that song. And after that, and I didn't realize it. I think John, like three months later, was like, "You know, I was I was mixing this song, and there, there's no cymbals on it." And I was like, "Oh my God, I'm gonna stop playing cymbals." And I, I literally don't record cymbals on pornographer songs anymore. Mm-hmm. I'll overdub cymbals now if I want them. If you I'll want them, like, yeah, oh. yeah. Yeah, and it's so much better for mixing engineers. They, so, they appreciate that so much. <laughs> cymbals ruin everything. Yeah, when he called you, he was in a great mood. He's like, dude, yeah, I just it, had the best mixing I session ever. I just had ever. the best. Oh, it was so great. I could, I could, do, I could like, make the toms louder. I could like, do what I wanted with the snare. This is awesome. You know, so that's that's what we do now, and I think it works really well. And then live, I just bash the hell out of them. <laughs> well, of course, that's the whole yeah, yeah. Um, and you have great Zildjian symbols. I've I've gone down the rabbit hole of all the choices you make, and you got good taste with those. But um, thank you, thank you. That that intro, I mean, I don't really have a question for it, and I and I don't mean this in a negative way because I mean it in the most positive way. But that's like a, it's such a not intuitive. It's a choppy kind of fun yeah, intro. I, what was the mindset behind that? I don't I don't know. I think it was like we tried a bunch of different things and then for some reason, you know, when you're doing fills in your and your brain's just going cuz you're not thinking about it. 
Yeah. I put the like, I think what's interesting about the fill is that it's, you know, it starts with, rather than going, it starts with, you know, I think that's what it does, right? Yes, exactly. So I think the, the normal sort of way to think about it, which I probably did originally when we did 10 or 15 takes was like, you know, whatever, something like that. But sure. starting with that, I think maybe is what makes it kind of cool. Is it cool? It, you think dude, it's, it's cool? That's cool. I think it's really cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I'm tuning my own horn. <laughs> you should. <laughs> um, and then also going into that, again, I'm just tuning your horn for you, but um, one of my favorite um, genres of music is kraut rock. And so oh, yeah. that's just the motoric beat the whole time. The You're motoric. just holding it down. And yep. it's so hard for a drummer because you don't really do a lot of fills in the song. It's just mm-hmm. you're just laying it down. But it's so effective because the next question was going to be like just writing with Carl AC because um, you just you can trust the song. You know, when a drummer can just trust the song will do its thing and yep. then you can just keep that beat going is. Uh, um, yeah, I don't even know what the question is. <laughs> it's just that no, must but, be no, fun. You're right? totally right. It's <laughs> super compliment to, to Carl. But um yeah, his songwriting is amazing. So it's like, I know when I throw something down in the early stages, he might mess with it a little bit. Then we come back and keep doing it. I know he makes all the right choices. It's well, very impressive. Actually. And I've, se- I've seen you live during the chorus of that song. There's a really good performance uh, with KXP when you um, the you you hit the crash symbol on the once in like the chorus when they kind yes. of... And so that's that's kind of a Lars thing too. Yeah, that there was after we recorded the song and it came out and it was like, yes, in the chorus there's that it's like on the second beat. Yeah, it's on the two. It's like dude, it's on the upbeat thing. Yeah, and it, for some reason live that just like came out when we were rehearsing it. I was like, I want to accent this thing. Yeah, I kind of it bums me out a little bit that I didn't do it on the recording, but I I also like that. You know, you noticed it live, yeah. so that's cool. Well, now oh, I hear it on the record. Now I, in, when I'm air drumming to it, I do it. So it's in my heart it, of hearts. It feels like there. it's there. Yeah. And that's, that song recorded on the recording is a big fat snare drum. On it's is on the recording, 100%. I know oh, for sure. I think yeah. I think you yeah. told me that when you were nice enough to get me into the Fonda show. I think we talked about that. Yeah, so. that is that song. I know particularly. I was like, this is. I just want the beef. And I just Hell want yeah. to go like, yeah. And that whole motoric thing. We did a lot of that on that, on that record. Just Carl was like, let's, let's do a lot of that. And I think there's like four or five songs that are like, gets the job done every time, man. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a great one. Let me go to the next one. And so this one is falling down the stairs of your smile. And this one, it's the, a perfect example of how just taking a seemingly simple beat and just uh, putting a little bit of schmutz in it. It's that right there, that that. Like 
but that's the perfect example like i was saying of just a straightforward beat but that those little buzz rolls you're doing which by the way i've never been able to do i've always tried oh, to get yeah. that in time or not so much in time but just to sound good <laughs> you know yeah yeah it's you just gotta just knock it down there and <laughs> let it let her bounce i don't yeah. know <laughs> what do they call them uh like a press press rolls press right? roll as well yeah you gotta press it gotta press it in but is there is there i mean this is super geeky and maybe too specific but was there no, a rhyme to reason when you were doing it or is it just like you're just going and just I, i'm gonna think, do it whenever i want no i think actually there is and i it, it's i think it sort of connects a little bit to some other things we might talk about here but carl i remember saying this is cool can we get the like let them in kind of beat for, uh, like wings let them mm-hmm. in they're like did the marchy yep. kind of thing and I, that's i think that was just what i did i was like oh i think that's you know i'll just start doing some buzzy pressy things and throw them and then i just started throwing them in random spots and i still when i play it live i have no idea <laughs> when i'm gonna do it i just do it at random sometimes it's like on you know on yeah. the downbeat and you know whatever so I, I think definitely it was Carl's idea to do that marchy kind of style. And that's just kind of what I did with it. I, again, we went into that session. I was like, I'm not playing cymbals. We'll overdub them. So that was a cool, uh, that was a cool thing. I didn't even play hi-hats on that record. I was like, let's go all the way. Dude, that's awesome. And so I, I had like, um, I put like a, some padding on my leg to like try and like hit and like pretend because it's hard to play not actually playing the hi-hat i know and air airing it doesn't really work either well then you have to focus on stopping it and then pulling it back up it's the whole thing yeah so i did a ton with no hi-hat so i know jeff lynn when he does because he only does the kick snare yeah i know he puts like a towel or something on his leg to hit and he uses like a dowels Mm -hmm. because you can I've heard the soloed versions of some of his stuff, and you can actually hear it oh, that's coming awesome. through the mic. It's kind of cool. Kind of cool. So, Jeff's, yeah, that yeah. session was great. We had fun. Yeah, Jeff, yeah. Jeff's drums are I, some of the best. You know? Amazing. And I love, you just know it's him. That's mm-hmm. what you, you got to love that. It's like, oh, that sounds like that's Jeff Lynn. Oh, yeah. No doubt about it. Well, speaking of um, Jeff Lynn's world, and Paul McCartney's in that, let's just actually continue down the, the path of Wings. So you yes. had mentioned it, Let Him In, um, and uh, it was under the prompt, a specific groove that completely changed the way you think about drums, or, or a groove that made a big impact on your playing. Um, mm-hmm. So if, if, if you want to keep talking about that song um, a little bit, then we can play it. Yeah, I think this song, I, I, I think what makes it so great it's one of these songs where they found the, f- the perfect tempo. It's like, if it, were, if it were 2 BPM faster or slower, it just would not be what it is. I think mm-hmm. it's got the magic tempo. There's a few songs like that. I mean, there's a lot of songs like that. But this one is like, if you speed it up, if you think about it and you speed it up, you're like, eh. Or and you slow it down, you're like, eh, it's too lazy. This <laughs> yeah. one is perfect and i think that's why like if you're at a party and you like put on let let them in people are like yeah yeah nice because it just when it drops in it feels correct mm-hmm. and it's amazing and it's so simple and that's the best part about it like the drum groove it's nothing it's just i think i think it's four on the floor maybe it might not be but 
It's just like tiny little eighths on the hi-hat with the kick snare and then throws in these little hi-hat accents every now and again on the on the upbeats. Yeah. And it's perfect. It's a perfect, perfect groove. All right. Well, here it is. Let him in by Wings from the record at the speed of sound. There's four on the floor. Yeah. And four on the floor is the, it's the best. Especially guess, slow. A slow four on the floor? That's brilliant. I would never think of that. Someone knocking at the door. Somebody ringing the bell. Someone's knocking at the door. Somebody's ringing the bell. Do me a favor. Open the door. He's playing those hi-hats so soft. Ooh, yeah. Those little, the yeah. little ones that he throws in. Someone's knocking at the door. Somebody ring and it's bell. bass, piano, drums. Someone's just that, that trio, the the, just the trio style. Yeah, there's no guitar yet. Do me a favor. I think it's only Open bass, piano. I, oh, no. Yeah, because there's bass, yeah. bass, guitar. Here we go, here's the march. Then he just does some, he does some pea soup on the chorus. <laughs> well, it, it, it goes, yeah, it, it goes back to like, that's the first crash symbol. When did I play it? 145 is the first time you hear a crash symbol. And then that makes that crash symbol so effective. Yeah, it just slams in. And Paul does the like, you know, ride up on the piano. Yeah. And I think I want... That's it. <laughs> um, and uh, you, you wrote something about this, that this is probably the most requested style of groove in yes. all the sessions you've done. All the time. Give me the, give me the let him in beat. Give me the let him in beat. Probably seven times. And, you know, and then I just, you know, Carl did it too. When, yeah. You know, in the new pornographers, I'm like, okay, this, we're going to do this. That's great. Hey, y'all, I wanted to, <laughs> I can't say, I wanted to talk to you about a drum I've recently received from Preston at Vessel Drum Co. It's an ocean patinaed 14 by five and a half snare drum, and it's incredible. It's got a 1.5 millimeter shell, brass shell, with 10 lugs, chrome over brass, triple flange hoops, a trick uh, three position strainer, 42 strand wires. It's lovely. It's loud. And it cuts and records as beautiful as a piece of butter cake. And, and Preston, actually, this is why it's called the Ocean Patina, is he covers the shell with seaweed and then drops it in the ocean for a certain period of time. And then it patinas with all these crazy cool designs. And if you all remember, Preston was actually one of the first guests on the podcast. When I first started out, I didn't really know what the Big Fat Five format was going to be or if it was going to be even Big Fat Five at all. But I went to his garage, his his you know where he makes all of his drums, 
It was really cool. He walked me through the episode is essentially from start to finish what happens with the drum. And it was it was a really fun episode. It's now archived at bigfatsnaredrum.com just because it doesn't fit the format of Big Fat Five. I want you to get back to the show, but go check it out. This drum is beautiful. And he actually let me use it on an Eve 6 tour and I didn't keep it. And I regretted it ever since then, just because I was trying to pinch pennies at the time. And I just kept thinking about it. And so the opportunity to get it again was presented and it is one of my favorite drums. So the Ocean Patinaed 14 by five and a half snare drum, check it out, reach out to me, go to Vessel Drum Co. The Instagram's just at Vessel Drum Co. And check it out. It's amazing. It's beautiful. Sounds great. Bye. All right. So number two would be your favorite Phil choice moment from a circuit record. And I was happy when you sent me this. This is this okay. is great. It's Wilco's Walkin' off the album uh, Sky Blue Sky. And uh, yeah, Glenn Kochi on drums, who has been a huge advocate for Big Fat Snare Drum. We love oh, Glenn. Yeah. But um Great but guy. yeah, and you said it's around the three-minute mark. It's kind of in, in that bridge when it's just the guitar's doing its own little thing and uh, straight against swung. So let's just play that section, and then we can talk about it. I love it. this. Yeah, a lot of people don't don't think of you know they think of parts or sticking patterns and blah blah blah. Yes. It's like no, mess with time, dude. That's that's the most iconic way to make a fill. Absolutely, I know. You know, I'm sure a lot of guys they like notes, a lot of notes, <laughs> a lot of toms, a lot of notes. And I like that too. Come yeah, on. notes we are all fun. Like, we all like that stuff. But this one to me was like when I first heard it, I was like, oh, this is amazing. He just played a straight on top of the swing and then swings back into it like right at the very end it just looks like straight 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 swing and i think that's amazing yeah it takes a lot of confidence as a player to get to the point where you can do that and not be like people might look at me and be like what are you doing but you're like just trust me this will work people will look at this fondly he's a genius and there there's a guy how about that how about that guy coming into a band and then like it's Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. Like, talk about just going for it and just being like, "Oh, he I'm was gonna." A, was he not the original drummer? No, no, oh no. Oh my god! Yankee Hotel is his first, so he came <laughs> wow. into that and was like, "Check this out. <laughs> Check out what I'm gonna do." And wow, like, he's the he's the greatest. And, and you've I, you've toured with them, right? Haven't toured with them, but we did a. We've done festivals and stuff. We did a festival in in Denver with them, and it was a kind of a funny moment in my life where I was playing, and I looked over, and he was side stage on on like on his like <laughs> crouched down, watching like this, and I'm like, uh, this is uh, uh, this is. I was so freaking out. I was like, no, no, and then after the show, uh, Nico you know knows him from. Uh, I think they did stuff with uh, Kaysling Veers. He played on that okay. record. Um, so she was like, we'll, we'll introduce you and brought me back. And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. You know, I was kind of a kind of a dork. But yeah, I, I avoid those situations, not because I get <laughs> starstruck, 
because I talk to so many drummers I admire on here, but it's like, I try to avoid, because I'm like, you just, you're probably busy on your phone. Like, actually, I just played uh, Life is Beautiful um, this last weekend awesome. with Cannons, and Nate Smith was playing, um, I forget her name, uh, oh my gosh, um, the lead singer for Alabama Shakes. I, I'm, I'm ho- oh, I'm, yeah, Brittany Howard. Yeah. Yes, Brittany Howard. Yeah. So they had a trailer in the same area, and I was having a cocktail after the show, and Nate was Nate sat down next to me, but I was talking to someone and I looked over, I was like, hey, what's up? You know, just because he sat down. And it's not like I didn't want to talk to him. I just didn't want to bother him because he was on his phone. Yeah, totally. But then I was talking to the person I was talking to. I was like, oh yeah, side stage. I bet it was just all hi-hat, am I right? Just trying to lay like all this, like obviously I'm a drummer, but I'm not going to bother you. And then he never looked up, so. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. But I was like, please just say, hey, are you? Please say something. <laughs> yeah. That but, was uh, like, uh, Carl... Carl, when we did, uh, what's the name of the festival in San Francisco? And Outside Rob, Lands? We, we did, uh, no, the, the free one, it's amazing. Oh, I don't uh, know. But anyways, Carl, well, we played, Robert Plant, his dressing room was right across from ours, which <laughs> yeah. was incredible. And he was just hanging out the whole time. We were freaking out. And that's such a huge influ- influence on Carl. Yeah. So he, he was like, should I talk to him? We were like, I don't know. So then after the show, he finally got up the nerve to talk to him. And, uh. Robert Plant was like, and Carl was like, you know, we were just on. Just wanted to say thank you. And, and he was like, yeah, you guys sound very, very, uh, I think he said, you guys sound very distinguished. And Carl was like, I have no idea. But he's English, so that, to, that could be. Or maybe, no, no, it was accom- yeah. accomplished, I think it was. Accomplished. accomplished. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. I think he was like, you guys have a very, you guys sound very accomplished. Yeah. And Carl had, he was like, cool. All right. What, how do I take that? Is that good? Is that a compliment? Yeah. Accomplished would be like, I saw you up there and I, I wasn't upset that they booked you. That's what it is. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Your name's in the I same poster. I think it was just, and he the... didn't even know, you know, he was just backstage. He didn't notice what was going on. Sure. And he sure. was trying to say something nice. And that's what he said. That's what yeah. you do. That's what you do. You know, you always do that. When someone comes up after and you, you know, you say, great set yeah it's always or if you don't like the band you just say dude oh, you god. killed it man like your drums yeah. i loved on verse three on the second song oh my yeah. god you there's killed a, it oh, we have some great great ones for that for those situations there's like uh what are what are some of the backhanded ones it's like you guys look like you're having a lot of fun up there <laughs> yeah that's good or uh you guys have a big sound <laughs> and then do you know dave trumpio great producer la guy i've worked with a ton no unfortunately he's no. amazing he, his one was always he would say your sound greats if he didn't like it he'd be like you sound greats you sound you sound greats yeah and they'd always be like thank you thank you oh, you sound greats i always pivoted <laughs> off the actual show i'm like dude this sound, who's your sound guy he's amazing <laughs> i mean like he God, that's it was so a clear. good way to go. Lighting, yeah. light, sound. That's that's great. Because you're not crew. really commenting on anything, really. No, exactly. Man, the crew. You guys got, look like you have a great crew up there. Yeah. Um, all right. So number three, and right. uh, I I want to get this drummer on the podcast so much, but he's he's elusive. He's not the most contactable dude. Um, okay. But uh, great Sonye or Sonye? Uh, it's Sonye. Sonye. I all believe right. it's Sonye. Yeah. Yes. From from Deer Hoof or Deer oh Hoof, God. depending on yes. where you're from. Um, and, uh, yeah, you just said, uh, the great track, per- the perfect me off the friend opportunity record. Perfect. And, uh, I'm quoting you. He's a fucking beast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he's the greatest. I've, you see him live recordings, everything. He does amazing 
like orchestral things. He does like art, artsy dance things. It's unreal. This guy is, he's the greatest. I think he's the absolute greatest. Well, yeah. you just believe him too. I've seen some interviews and, mm -hmm. and again, I don't mean this in a bad way, but sometimes you're like, where is he going with this point? Um, but you know, it's like, you just, everything that's coming out of him is so, he's thought a lot about it. And uh, Absolutely. it's and very I, I know he, he battles uh, Tourette's syndrome as well. I've read in some interviews. And oh, okay. I feel like when I listen to the drumming, I'm just like, he like channels that. And I think that's just beautiful. Like, it's amazing what he does. And, uh, such a huge fan and years and years ago I, I was doing lights i was a light guy at the middle east downstairs in cambridge oh yeah i'm sure you've I've been there played, many times i remember that smell of the club so much oh yeah me too <laughs> i actually worked there many years ago i did lights and deer oh. came in and i was i was like oh my god i get are they gonna bring a light guy i hope not i want to do it yeah and they didn't have a they didn't have an ld and i'm like all right i'm on so they did the set and i'm like their stuff's pretty progressive and all over the place and like but i knew all the like cues and afterwards they were like that was that was pretty cool and i was like i know the songs i know all these songs i know all these weird times and like stops and starts and so that was super fun yeah they were that band for me uh 2009 to 12 that was like i was trying to get into cooler music yeah. But they were just melodic enough that they were like digestible, and so I was like, "I'm a cool guy," because I I'm like a, deer. I'm hoof. a cool guy, right? I'm a cool guy. Yeah. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> it's so true because like when you when you play deer hoof for someone for the first time, they're like, what, what, "What's going on here?" Yeah, and you're like, "No, no, no, no!" Like listen to this like three or four times. You'll be singing the melodies in your in your head like yep. later, and like that's what this band is. There yeah. and and Greg's just he's the he's the powerhouse behind it. He just sits real low. And he's got massive symbols. I've seen stuff where he's got like his hi hat is like two ride symbols attached with a clutch. Yeah, like, it's like insane. He just does cr the craziest stuff, and yeah, I just think he's the absolute greatest to watch, to listen to. Yep. he's the full, the total thing. All right, so this is uh, the perfect me from the, op the album Friend Opportunity. See that right there, that very ending, it's, I would have never chosen to do that during that part. Just, duh, 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 just build up. And that's it's, what it, yeah. he's always surprising. You never know what he's going to do. And it, that's, that's the best part. Yeah. And the way he just, you're in a groove with him and then all of a sudden he just goes, stops and then goes back to it. It's like, whoa, how did he just, he just like pulled up for like a split second and then was like back on it. It's so cool. You so can hear cool some he like uh, some cold sweat vibes too. He's got that oh, kind yeah. of funk, oh, yeah. James Brown kind of thing going on, for sure. 
and man, he's just great to watch too, which is just so cool. I love that. Have you seen him that. live? Yeah, multiple multiple times we've okay. seen those guys for sure. Yeah. yeah, I've unfortunately never seen Deerhoof live, and it's it's just it's never worked out. But uh, that's they're a great band of YouTube. They're all, they've done a lot of cool little indie session stuff, and it's all amazing. Yeah, they're awesome. They rule. All right, so this is this record was also huge for me. Um, it's a record that hit you at the right time in your life and represents a big piece of your artistry. And uh, the Benz by Radiohead. Mm, yeah, this one was. Um, I consider myself a bit of a poser because I didn't know about the Benz until OK Computer came out, and I heard OK OK Computer, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is crazy!" And then I was like, "I gotta start getting into Radiohead." And then I got into the Benz, and I was like. No, this is actually what I love even more. It's mm-hmm. the songs, the production, the playing, weird harmonies, weird guitar. It's not like a drum. I mean, Phil Selway, he's a great drummer. And I think he's just one of those guys that like inspires me where it's like just he serves the song perfectly every time. He's mm-hmm. he never he never is he's not too flashy. He's not I try to be like that with what I do. I try not to be like, look at me, look what I'm doing. Yeah. I think Phil does that amazingly and the Benz, every song on that record, the song Nice Dream, when I heard that the first time, I was like, listen to these changes, like that chorus and it just, it's one of those records I can remember where I was when I heard it, you know, mm-hmm. just driving my like, crappy like first car that i ever owned and just being like this is amazing my life is changing yeah so that that's the bends for me yeah black star was uh, that intro oh, black star and just the intro and this the weird like tremolo whatever that crazy guitar that planet telex and then the drums kick in yep i was like wow what is what is this this is amazing i, w- I was gonna play the song sulk but let's actually play planet oh, yeah. telex that's a that's a fun awesome. one yeah, great. Um, so yeah, opening track off uh, Radiohead's The Benz, and it's uh, from 1995, just to put it in perspective for yeah. you posers that only know uh, OK That only know the 97 <laughs> exactly. records. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because he's actually, he's like crashing in, in, in those verses. Yeah. And like somehow it's like in there and not, you know, blasting everything away, which is kind of cool. I mean, that record still sounds, it's almost like it's looped back. That sounds contemporary now. That could be a Tame Impala For intro. Sure. You know, just the, comp- the compression on it and the ballsiness of the drummer. Um, oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, I just think the great. production, all those Radiohead re- records are just so, so good. We actually did a whole episode, me and Gunnar Olsen. He, uh, yeah, we just dissected all the, all the Phil, like our top five Phil 
Oh, that's um, cool. Beats because as you described, he uh, like the Wrecking Crew. Hal Blaine is like ten of your favorite drummers without knowing it. You could show someone intros if if Tom's not singing yet. It could be like, oh, this is 10 distinctly different bands with 10 distinctly different drummers because he doesn't have a thing he does. It's just whatever the vibe is, he'll go down that rabbit hole. And it's exactly it's amazing. Yeah, I, I love him for sure. And he's one of those drummers. I mean, he has the best gig because he's obviously very wealthy, very successful, can play yeah. any festival he wants. But he can probably still go to the grocery store and no one would be able to pick him out. That's a great point. <laughs> that is an excellent point. So true. Uh, all right. So uh, number five. And it's the sound of a particular record that changed your approach on the instrument. Mm-hmm. This was uh, their Nirvana Unplugged like show and CD and record. It was a CD for me at the time, let me tell you. And it was Dave Grohl taking these rock songs. I didn't know you could do this when I was like 14. Yeah. I was like, what? He took the rock songs and he took the drumsticks and he changed them to brushes and like uh, dowels and like the hot rods and stuff. And I was like, what the hell is that? What's that sound? I did like, I didn't know what brushes were and that. And so to hear like come as you are with like, brushes i was like this is amazing so you can take a rock song and like make it chill i don't know how i didn't hear that until what was it 1994 probably oh, yeah, yeah i was 14 mm-hmm. but when that record came out i was like oh i don't have to just hit the drums hard i can like do cool vibey stuff with it and that was life-changing for me that was and i started doing that with my own stuff and just trying to learn brushes and learn different styles uh somehow which is kind of a kind of a weird one for me well yeah because he i mean people have been doing that for so long in the studio some of like your favorite rock records from you know the la rock scene it's like they were doing these weird softer things that we assume oh they played sticks on it but now you're as you're an adult you go back and you're like oh no they're playing things yes. as a kid i was like you have sticks you have drums that's the only tools you have that's it and he brought it to the forefront of like oh there's things that we don't see that people are doing and he kind of showcased exactly. it and then there was a sh- there was a, also a show that you could watch to, to to go with it and you were like oh yeah he's doing different stuff this is cool what's he doing what are those things and i remember i mean i had a band i think shortly after and he was like you, you gotta get the hot rods that's what, like the the dial yeah. ones, the hot rods, you gotta get those because they sound cool. And that was because of that record. So it was like, I wasn't the only one that was like, come on, get the hot rods. Dave Grohl did it. Well, I heard a story and I'm not sure where, and I'm such a horrible journalist right now, but um, I'm pretty sure that was like a last minute thing, the hot rods for him. No like way. it wasn't like a planned thing uh, that I think his tech or someone brought this like, dude, cause I think uh, Kurt was saying, dude, you're playing too loud. And it was like a whole thing. And so his tech was like, dude, because hot rods were kind of a new thing back then. Yeah. He kind of made them who they are. Um, and, and yeah, he tried them and he's like, oh, shit. Yeah, you can like, because you can just, because pl- brushes, obviously, it's like a different, totally different thing. Yeah. But with the hot rods, you're like, I just play what I play and it just comes out sounding different and light. Yeah. So that makes total sense. I've never heard that. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, let's let's fact check it. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, we got to look this up. So it was like it was like on set. 
it was like they were like sound checking and they were like this isn't working hot rods it was either sound check or like the day before like the practicing it kurt was like dude this is not working i i need to sing louder than i want to or i can't be yeah. as intimate as i like and so that was a yeah post haste thing but um yeah that's awesome so um i mean you said and i agree any any of the record or any of the songs but uh, definitely the first few um so you had said come as you are i believe let's just play that uh, one. yeah I, I love this version and it's funny the the first song uh go check out the record but about a girl he he starts it off by saying this is an old song no one probably knows it and <sighs> nowadays looking back this performance of the song about a girl is probably one of the more popular songs on the record, and it's uh, it's funny that people know this version that he says no one knows this song. For sure, um, it's just a weird the way, the way the world works. But all right, so come as you are. I mean, that's perfect. <laughs> that's perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> and Kurt's just killing it. That vocal, wow. I know. It's that a, is amazing. They'll never be cheesy. They'll never be like, his, no. his, they'll never be dated. What And what a just, what a change of vibe. And that, that was just so mind-blowing to me at that time. I will say going back to Nothing Be Dated, I think that Nico and Carl, I think the New Pornographers is another band that is... Uh, that will always sound good. You know what I mean? Like their vocals, you guys, the choices you've you've always made, um, and then especially with the, with the most recent records with you, it's like it's it's they they make good choices. So it's fun to be in a band. You're like, oh, this is going to be timeless. Yeah, it was a band I was a fan of. Yeah, when I was, you know, so it's like it's crazy that I've been doing it for whatever how many years, and still when I play certain songs live, I'm like, how am I how am I up here singing this right now? This <laughs> totally. is wild. Like, I still get that. It's so cool. Like, I'm, you know, it's cliche, but like, I'm, I'm living the dream. <laughs> so, but it's so true. No, it's totally, actually man. true. Yeah. Um, Although I'm not living the dream right now. I'm, you know, it's been almost two years of not doing anything. So that's, you know. Are you guys going back out, though? Do, do you guys yeah, have... we're, going out in, we're going out in November. Okay. November and December. Fingers crossed. That's the plan. Playing Mass Romantic and Twin Cinema in their entirety back-to-back nights in different cities like we're doing new york and dc and um, vancouver seattle it's a bunch of cities that we're doing we want to add more but we haven't been able to quite yet are and uh, if is are nico and dan both going to be there everyone's oh yeah, going to so dan's coming out and doing that's it so which cool. is awesome i haven't seen behar in quite a while so that's exciting yeah you know we're uh excited to have him out nico will be there it's the getting the, the whole 
getting the band back together, man. <laughs> That's, that actually makes sense. Yeah, yeah, we're actually doing it. <laughs> we're doing it. Um, and then um, AcatilloBitters.com. Acatillo Bitters. That's my little bitters thing. So I started making these bitters just since I've been living out in the desert. I'm like, seems like a cool vibe to make some bitters. And I made three flavors and I sold a few. And uh, I'm kind of doing it on the sly a little bit. You know, I'm not technically supposed to be selling any kind of alcoholic beverages. Okay. So uh, I sold a few and then uh, I'm holding off for now, just making a ton, trying to stock up. But I'm doing three flavors. It's a smoked orange okay, and uh, just like an aromatic old-fashioned bitter. And then um, a chocolate chili bitters is the other one. Okay. So it's been, it's been kind of fun. Just something to do when I'm not out and when, you know, which of course has been a lot, two years. (laughs) (laughs) So it's been a fun project. If Joe gets in trouble for selling this, I know it's going to be one of our listeners and I have the, uh, I have the behind the scenes. I know who's listening guys. So don't, (laughs) I will be able to find you. Um, All right, Joe. Well, thanks for being on the show, man. And uh, be safe and have a good day. Thanks for having me, man. We'll see you soon. All right. Cheers. Bye. And that's the show. Be sure to subscribe. And if you're listening on a platform that allows for ratings or reviews, do that. It helps more people find the show, which means the show will get better and bigger. And hopefully I'll have a chance to sell out one day. But you'd be an OG listener that could brag to all your friends. Um, Anyways, also, why don't you go ahead and check out BigFatSnareDrum.com and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and all the socials. Just search for at BigFatSnareDrum and you will find it. This show is edited in part using Isotope RX-8 Audio Editor. It's amazing. So go check that out at Isotope.com. Bye.